Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We worship the Trinity in unity and the unity in Trinity. That's what we just confessed in the Athanasian Creed. We worship this God. This God that cannot be explained, only proclaimed. All attempts to explain the mystery of God, the Holy Trinity, have failed. How God can be one yet three, three yet one. One God in three persons and three persons in one God. Finite, limited minds cannot understand an infinite, limitless God. All attempts to explain this, to explain the Trinity, and perhaps you have heard some of them, fail. That God is like a clover, one plant with three leaves, or like an apple, one fruit, but with three parts, a core and flesh and... and, um, and uh, peel. Or that God is like water that can exist in three different states, solid, liquid, and gas. All these fail to explain the mystery of the Trinity because they either divide the persons of the Trinity or they collapse them together or they limit each person in some way. Better Instead, is to be like the prophet Isaiah and just stand in wonder and awe before this Lord, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all coexisting, all 100% God, yet one God. And confess that we have no right to do so, that sinners like us have no place before a holy, sinless God. And yet he wants us here. He wants us to come before him, to receive his forgiveness, like Isaiah did. Now, that doesn't work for some people. For some who will only believe what is logical to them, what they can figure out. What makes sense to them. A God who fits their categories, checks all their boxes, fits their explanations, thinking and understanding. The next step for them then is that what this God does must also fit their expectations, thinking and understanding. And if God doesn't do or command, or approve of what they think is right, then he is rejected. There are a couple of problems with that, of course. First, making God fit us rather than us fit God is to put ourselves above God and to make ourselves God. But also this. There will then be as many gods in this world as there are people. Each 
person fashioning his or her own God based upon their own expectations and thoughts and dreams which are just about different for everyone. And when you think about it, that's actually not very far from where our world is today. With its abundance of gods and religions and denominations, there is Tom, Dick, and Harry's God. There is Oprah's God. There is this God and that God. But not the one true God. Which is exactly what Satan wants. Because if everyone has a God, then no one has God. But God is not so easily tamed, not so easily controlled, We may want a God who is domesticated and behaves how we think he should. But as C.S. Lewis once formerly famously stated, God is not tame, but he is good. So if we change him and tame him, then we also lose his good. So we are left then with a God we cannot fully understand because he is so different and above us, but one we can trust because he is good. That is far better. And it is what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus that night when Nicodemus came up to him seeking Answers. He knew Jesus knew something about God, that God was with him. So Jesus teaches him about God, about a God who is mysterious and beyond our understanding, but who is good and trustworthy. That while Nicodemus may not get all the answers he was looking for, he get what he needed. The gift of faith in the God in the flesh that was sitting right in front of him. So first Jesus says to him, truth. Unless one is born again, born from above, born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is befuddled. He cannot fit what Jesus says into his own thinking and understanding. This teaching does not fit his categories. It is illogical. He knows something of birth, perhaps having children of his own. So based upon his own knowledge and experience, being born again just isn't possible. You want me to climb back up inside my mother? No. But Jesus does want him to think of God differently as Father, not as a God he must serve for favors, but as a God who serves him and cares for him. A God who fathers who begets life, and not just physical life or in a physical way like his children at home. That is not good enough. 
It is not good enough simply to be a child of Abraham as the Jews and the Pharisees believed, a physical descendant of Abraham. He must be a child of God. Born. Born of God. Born of water and the Spirit. Okay. Nicodemus is going to have to Chew on that one for a while. So Jesus then moves on to phase two of his teaching and starts talking about the work of God the Spirit. That it is like the wind. And that just as you cannot control the wind, so you cannot control God. God cannot be tamed to fit how we want him to be. Now, okay, that makes a little more sense. Because we do know something about the wind, and that it doesn't always blow where you want it to. The wind may gust and blow away, all dishevel your hair that you just finally got perfectly combed. Or the wind may blow all the leaves that you took so much time raking into a pile in your yard back all over your yard. There is the hard and devastating winds of a hurricane, the terrible and unpredictable winds of tornadoes. But there's also that cool breeze on a hot summer day and the refreshing breeze that blows in off the ocean. The work of God is like that, Nicodemus. Not according to our thoughts, wishes, desires, and controls. Sometimes he comes in, he blows in, and he messes up things in your life. Because sometimes things in your life need messing up. Sometimes he needs to grab our attention and turn him back. Turn us back to him. But there are also times when he will be that refreshing, cooling breeze. To give us the the relief we need. And just as birth pains come upon a woman quickly and often unexpectedly. Earlier than was expected or much later. So it is with God and the children he fathers. It is his doing, not ours. Where and when it pleases him. When and where he says it will be. Not us. Well, this is so completely different than what Nicodemus was expecting from what he thought he knew and the ways he thought things were. His mind is blown, blown wide open. His finite, limited mind blown open by an infinite, limitless God. To think on things in a new way. Yes, but ah, Nicodemus, Jesus saved the best for last. The best, but also the most mysterious. And the hardest for us to comprehend or understand. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish,
but have eternal life. That is, that God the Father would send his beloved Son into a sinful world filled with sinful and rebellious people to die for them so that they could be his born again, born from above, born of God, children. And that God would consider this a good thing, trading his life for yours, his life of limitless value, for your life of what value? Of nothing close to that, that's for sure. To love a world that doesn't love him. To save a world that turns away from him to sin. Who does that? What category of this world does that fit into? That's who God is, Nicodemus. That's what God does. He's not a God of rules and laws and demands, but of fathering, caring, and saving. And you'll see that when you see his son lifted up like that bronze serpent was in the wilderness for Israel. When the Son of God is lifted up on the pole of the cross. Look at him. See your God there for you. Believe that he is there for you and your sin and you will live. Eternal life. I wish John would have told us more. More about this conversation of Nicodemus and Jesus. What Nicodemus said next to that. Maybe he didn't say anything. His mind so blown. Maybe he was just in awe of all that he had heard. How utterly different and mysterious and beyond anything in this world. But John does tell us this. That Nicodemus did see Jesus on the cross. That he helped take him down and bury him. And that he even defended Jesus a little bit. Like maybe by water and the Spirit he had been born again. Born from above. Born of God without having to climb back into his mother. And so it is with us. The spirit who, like the wind, works when and where God wills, has worked in you. For the when and the where is where God told us he would. In his word. In his word combined with the water of baptism. In his word combined with the bread and wine of the supper. How that is. How is mysterious and beyond our understanding like the wind. How the word and spirit works in our hearts. How the word and spirit works as we proclaim the gospel and the forgiveness of sins. How the word and spirit works as we pour out the waters of baptism. And as we eat and drink the body and blood of Christ in the supper. 
How? But work he does. Begetting children of God. Sustaining us with his life and forgiveness. And keeping us in his care. Probably not how we would do it if it was up to us. But good. God working his eternal good. In and through these ordinary ways and means. Which, like with who God is, all we do is proclaim these things, his works and ways and stand in awe. That we can stand in the presence of God and that God wants us here with him. That while we cannot tame or control God, we can trust him and his word in all parts of our lives. Following his will and his ways, loving and forgiving and serving, giving and helping generously and sacrificially and confidently. For if he would send his only begotten son to do this for us, if he would do that for us, Will he not along with him give us everything else we need? So that's what we proclaim this day as we celebrate the Holy Trinity. And what we proclaim, we live. That's why, as the Athanasian Creed said, it is necessary to think of God as Trinity. But not just so that we will know the right answer for the final exam so that we can get into heaven. No. But so that we know what God has done for us. God the Father, who sent His beloved Son, who sends the Spirit to save us and give us this new kind of life to live. If God is not a trinity, that couldn't have happened. But it did. A mysterious, not like this world God, acting in a mysterious, not like this world, but good way. Being good giving his good for you to raise you with his son to a new and eternal life. Which is also a mystery. For what is eternal life like? How can we think of a life without end? We can't. But again, we can trust That as the one who gives it is good, so will it be. And so we are good. Not because we've done it, but because he has. So this we proclaim. This we trust and believe. This we live. And this is our joy. A good God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, working and giving His goodness to us. So we joyously proclaim, blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to Him.
because he has shown his mercy to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.